Thanks for tuning in once again to Organic Matters. For this part of the show, I'm going to do some, I guess I've done it before, but it's been a while, so I pulled it back up and I guess I'll modernize it a little bit. And this is just my my concept of how to make really good homemade seed starting soil. And the reason I got involved in this, I have a good friend, uh, probably my Maybe my best friend named Eric, and he's in the tree business. He's growing trees, and he's had some uh, starter problems with making the proper soil to get his seed started. So I went and looked all this back up, and I'm going to run through it. I think I kind of guided it to him, but but this, I hope, will give him a little better idea. And also for all the rest of you that want to get your seed started, it's that time of year. And I do realize, folks, there are some decent soil mixes available commercially for seed starting. Kind of pricey, number one. But actually, by mixing just four simple, all-natural ingredients in equal amounts, you couldn't get a simpler mix. You can easily make your own seed starting soil at your home, much less expensive and, and I think even better than the commercial brands. So anyway, not only are you be making your own mix, you're going to save yourself a pretty good chunk of change compared to the store-bought brands. It also allows you to create a 100, this is what I wanted, 100% organic mix. You know it because you're making it yourself. And that can certainly be helpful, especially when growing vegetable plants from seed. Even though he's doing trees, he also has a nice vegetable garden. So here's just a quick look at the four ingredients, how they work together, and and how easy it is to create a perfect homemade seed starting mix. You begin with some good potting soil, and now even some of the companies I didn't used to deal with, Scott's and them, do make a, a certified organic potting soil. And it's a perfect base for getting a really rich, healthy seed starting mix on your own. Start by selecting a really high-quality, all-purpose one, the best one you can get. Be sure that it does not include any fertilizers or anything in the mix, because then you're going to lose your, your organic uh, certification, as they can actually hurt young seedlings more than help. Many, many times I've met people that actually over-fertilize their seedlings. We'll get into that in a bit. We now have known for a long time that young seedlings require just a lighter, slow release, in my case organic or natural fertilizer, to allow them for slow, even growth. If too much fertilizer is present, it can lead to plants that are excessively early foliage growth, and unfortunately that helps to produce weak stems. So you got to have two things to make a good plant, a lot of light, and you got to have a, the right slow-release kind of fertilizer. Unfortunately, too much fertilizer, too early. Actually, you can, all, you can actually damp off your plants. You exactly kill your plants with them if you put too much in. And I forget if I mentioned this to him, but one thing I do we include in all the soils I used to make even for Gardenville was perlite. So if it's already in there in your potting mix, that's okay. Because actually, it's the next of the four parts I was going to mention to you anyway. Perlite is an all-natural substance. It's actually called volcanic glass. When exposed to extremely high heat in excess of 1,500 degrees, the perlite puffs up into a little airy, lightweight, popcorn-looking thing that looks quite similar to white styrofoam, actually, but it's not the same. And it is a very helpful ingredient for making really great seed-starting soil. Part of the reason for that is perlite not only lightens the weight of the soil, it also helps create air channels that nutrients and water can pass through and be held in. It improves soil drainage and helps young roots to grow more easily through the channels in that soil. 
And interestingly, perlite also never breaks down, so it keeps the soil from compacting together basically forever, permanently. Incidentally, you can buy perlite in bags at almost any of the good outlets. There's no such thing as it's already all organic. There's nothing else in it but perlite. So if you can just find perlite, it's, it's one of those four additives I've already mentioned. And the next one, of course, I always talk about is compost. And do try to find compost. It's been really finely screened and aged. You need fully aged compost screened. If it's not, you, if you have the patience, you can screen it yourself. But the finer it is, the more it helps to lighten the soil mix even further and improves the overall drainage of the soil as well. So it's, it works very good with perlite. Properly made compost is really loaded with nutrients that are easily absorbed, especially by small tender plant roots. In addition, compost can hold, if you need it, excess of 10 times its weight in moisture. You almost have to be careful a little bit about that. Talk about a perfect ingredient to help keep tender seedlings properly hydrated. And just once again, a reminder, be sure as if it's all possible. Matter of fact, you just got to do it. Be sure that you finely screen it, pulverize it as good as you can, so it'll help keep that soil fine and loose. And the final of the four magic ingredients is probably my favorite. That sounds weird because they all are needed, but this is cool. The fourth and final ingredient is worm castings, completed worm castings. Worm castings are the true, what I consider, they're the head of the pack, the true power hero for creating perfect seed starting mix. Got to go find some, some worm castings. The light, airy makeup of the castings helps to break up and lighten soil, even as much in some cases as, as perlite does, but with one difference, a big difference. Worm castings are filled with a, a whole group of trace minerals and nutrients that can easily and quickly be absorbed by the seedlings. The nutrients in worm castings are slowly released over time and leach into the soil as they break down. Uh, uh, kind of a lot like compost. Worm castings act as the ultimate slow-release fertilizer for your young seedlings. Which remember, I, in the beginning I told you you needed something slow-release. Although you could probably just use compost, perlite, and potting soil. Worm castings take that homemade potting soil all the way up to another level, folks. One that will have your plant strong and healthy come transplant day for most of you, or in the case of my friend Eric, moving the trees up to the next level. And let me remind you here one more time. Creating the mix is as simple as it can get. All you do is combine equal parts of all those four ingredients. It's usually, I, I used to do in wheelbarrows, but you, if you don't have that, need that much, he may need more than that, though. Uh, Five-gallon buckets work fine, but you want them really, really mixed together so they're just one really smooth mixture. And another hint I've learned over time, for best results, be sure to water down your soil in the trays a few days prior to seed planting day. This will help to provide a good moisture in the soil for better germination. And it also allows the soil to level off from settling with time to kind of top off the mix uh, on seed planting day, just a little light dusting afterwards. To kind of put a cap on the end of this part of the show, I'm going to tell you a little bit about seedlings being grown indoors. I won't give you a whole, whole study on this, but I've noticed a lot of people, one of the things that they didn't do regularly is actually give the plants enough light. They need a bunch of light. Think about it if they're out in the direct sun, how many photons hit them if they were coming up on their own. 
the easy way if you want to build, of course, you can buy the systems. If money's what you've got, the LED and the the fluorescent systems are all available on the market. I made my first feed beds just using regular, what they call cool white fluorescent lights, the four-foot tubes. They're still around. They're getting harder to find because LEDs are taking over, and they're okay, too. But in general, the incandescent, the light bulb that you use in your home all your life, is first too hot because you have to get them so close to get enough light, number one. And number two, they don't actually have the correct bandwidth of light to keep your plants happy. There's some pros and cons on this, but I prefer a 14 to 15 or 16 hour daylight for them every day. There's a 12-12 system that seems to work pretty good. I've done it in my lifetime. That means 12 hours on, 12 hours off. I, I thought they were still a little too leggy. Maybe I didn't have the lights close enough, but I went up to 14 to 15 hours or so. And it's pretty smart and it works pretty good. If you can spend it, they're not very expensive. Get an outlet timer. Let it start every morning at 6 or 7 on its own. You don't have to be there. And go off at 10 o'clock at night is a good time. Also, something else I read about, but I also learned, consistency does help that they get those, that same light every day at about the same number of hours for the, for the best uh, possible outcome. And here's one that'll fool you maybe if you haven't done it before. If you don't want your plants to look leggy and spindly, you really need a lot of light on them. And the way to do that with a fluorescence is keep it close. I kept it two to three inches. Three was what I preferred. Every day now you have to look at them because once they start growing, they'll grow an inch a day sometimes. So keep that in mind. But closer is better, especially fluorescence and LEDs because they don't have any excessive heat. But that two or three inch range will give you the biggest difference of any other thing I can tell you to do is to really keep them close and just, I hope you've hung them. I hung mine on chains that you could go up and down. You can move them up very down. We had a pulley on each end. Depends on how your system works. But that two or three inch distance is is part of the magic uh, along with the, I want to call it my special seed planting soil that I did earlier in this part of the show. But if you keep those two things going, with few exceptions, there's a few plants, but probably not anything you're going to grow that would require a little bit of a different system. But in general, this will do most any house plant and any seedling that you want, and it includes trees, but especially for garden seedlings and things, this little formula, very simple, is all you really need to know you got to have a consistent water system without overwatering or underwatering. The, the, the soil mix that I mentioned is as good as anything I've ever found. And you get all that tied together, and you're going to grow all the seedlings you want to grow. I mean, my friend has got thousands at this point. So anyway, I want to kind of tie the end of this particular part of the show, because you, you kind of know once you get all the seed soil going, what do you got to do next? Uh, There's some other things we could talk about. Uh, Some seeds do better if you soak them first. Some do not. You can learn that as you depend on what species of of plant you're trying to grow. But that kind of knowledge almost come naturally as you really get into it. You'll see the differences in, in what different plants need to do to give you your best possible seedling. And for more information, I don't do this every time, but I should, uh, write me. Uh, nature approved at yahoo it's on my web if you go there nature approved at yahoo.com or even easier really is just go to my name in lowercase bruce.dooley.com b-r-u-c-e dot d-e-u-l-e-y dot c-o-m all lowercase that'll take you directly to my url 
and then everything's in there that you need to contact me and I'll be glad to help you. And I should mention right here as I'm ending, there's probably at any one time a couple hundred or more shows on there, but you can also go back in my archive. I think I'm up to 1,500 or 2,000 shows if you went all the way back. I've been on 20-some years. Probably adds up more than that. I never even thought of it. But anyway, all about gardening. Oh, I got some stuff I put in there about about now the environment and climate change because it's all part of wanting to grow a healthy garden. We got to know what's going on. And folks, it is changing. So we need to change along with it. The government's actually even changed the zones where you plant. They moved them all up a notch a few years ago because the weather had changed that much. So anyway, thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.